Welcome to Everything Imaginable, a podcast for curious minds. KGRA Radio. Welcome everyone to another episode of Everything Imaginable. I'm your host, Gary Cacciavillo, and today we have Ben Vonderheide. Did I get that right? Absolutely. Perfect. And he has a website called Ancient Alien Stones. He's appeared on the TV show, Ancient Aliens, and he is a art collector. And it looks like he has somehow come possession of some pretty mysterious, is there a figurines you'd call them? Yes. Um, so how does a art collector in Lancaster, Pennsylvania <laughs> end up with figurines that are older than mankind itself from Africa? <laughs> this is a good question. And actually, it's worse than that. I'm below Lancaster in Conestoga, a smaller town even than Lancaster. And... Uh, Yes, uh, that is the question. And, you know, we often wonder, Gary, as I'm sure you do, do we choose such things or do they choose us? And the answer to your question goes back many years when a couple of times along my earlier years, I was, there were, were attempts to recruit me into the intelligence community of the United States. And one, uh, a couple times, at one period, there were a couple of people reached out to me from West Africa, one from Nigeria, and uh, another from Sierra Leone. And although I declined, because it, it is not my interest to work in such fields, uh, it's just not me, um, I did come to be very friends, very close friends with the contact who had Reached, me, reached out to me, came to me from Sierra Leone, from West Africa. And his name was uh, Bill Diamonds, and a shout out to Bill Diamonds. He's been off planet for quite a few years. But uh, he was a character. He was the true-to-life uh, character that they semi-modeled Leonardo DiCaprio after in Blood Diamonds. And I'm not saying that they knew of him, but he uh -huh. would—he is the archetype. He is the, the, uh, the, the most perfect example of that in real life. Wow. And when I say that, I don't mean that he ran into the jungle with guns and overpowered people. You know, that doesn't happen. There are a lot of people in the jungle. And if you go in there with guns, die. <laughs> if you go in thinking you're going to rule that way. But he was... Uh, he went into the bush many years ago. He was that guy who, when he found out when he was younger, uh, this was again uh, 60 years ago plus, that there were the best diamonds in the world were in Sierra Leone, without thought of the fact that it was also one of the most dangerous places in the world. He went over, got on a plane, landed in a uh, major airport, took a goat plane, got on, found a guide, went on a Jeep, and then hit the it's the trails and came out at some point in time after that months or a year or so and had many good contacts and diamonds in his hand. So he was that, that guy. And you do that because you're a dynamic character and because you uh, respect people and their, their culture. And you also are a person who commands respect. So, uh, and again, he was an operative for the 
intelligence community also, which is not unusual for such individuals to be involved in diamonds and, and gold and such. So <clears throat> after he had uh, approached me and we became friends, he blessed me with uh, the ability to acquire some artifacts. Mm -hmm. Because, Gary, I'm not, while I'm not interested in uh, international espionage, and, and I certainly support and honor those who go in those uh, in the field intelligence positions on behalf of the United States. There are fewer of them. We seem to have mistakenly relied on computers for a number of years and fallen out of touch with some of the things we should be in touch with, my opinion. But anyways, um, while I was not interested in that, you know, on the other side of that, obviously I think you would recognize and your listeners would recognize that almost everybody who went in there were looking for diamonds and rich riches they wanted to they were treasure hunters and they were risk takers and and they looked for behind the diamonds of course the money and the power there were people who looked also for power there were very few people who were interested in artifacts at that time in that area so i was able to uh express to him that that was something of more interest to me and so I said, you know, essentially I said, look, I'll bet while they're out there digging up diamonds and stuff, I bet they find some pretty cool stuff. He said, oh, yeah. And he told me a little bit about the artifacts. And like I said, I acquired some. And those included, and, and so, you know, when I hear the word art collector, it's kind of surprising to me. I mean, I'm, I'm not the, uh, I never considered myself an art collector until I had a collection of art. <laughs> right. <laughs> but but uh, very interested in, Antiquities and interested in old culture and interested in spiritual matters always have been. And uh, so there were wooden masks from the Zoe tribe, the oldest secret women's society known to still be in existence in the world. And there were wooden figurines, um, you know, other normal masks that are not full head masks that were, you've seen, you, you would have seen in different places over the years, of course. And then there were some of the Nomali stones. And I just really was interested and attracted to the Nomali stones right off the bat. And so I acquired more of them from him and his context. And uh, it was years later, only a few years ago, when, up until then, well, let's say it this way. I anticipated that there were many other people collecting them. I anticipated that people knew what they were and um, that it was not that eclectic. But some years ago, when I reached out and looked into the rest of the artistic and healing world, I came to find, and my son did research on the internet for a couple of years, we came to find absolutely no one, all but, all but no one was aware of the Nomali, that they had been powerfully, purposefully, and effectively suppressed for reasons of religion, politics, money, uh, uh, certainly medicine, all these varieties of reasons and more, they were suppressed and erased. So what we did was, again, we looked down and we said, hey, you know, we went on the internet and we started asking about from people who are in the healing groups, people who are in crystal and stone collections, and I went to the New York Stone Show 
right outside New York there, Crystal and, and Gem show. And then and we sat there for days and no one had, and it's interesting because, you know, Gary, people are familiar with the vibrational patterns of all different kinds of stones, what the healing qualities are. It's amazing. It's great to see that awakening. It wasn't like that 40 years ago when there were a few people like my, I was included who were interested in crystals. We would be considered wing nuts. You know? <laughs> if you thought you could use a crystal for healing, there was something uh -huh. wrong with you, you know. But it's great to see so many people opening up, like with your show, everything imaginable, you know, everything, uh, you know, everything uh, that you can imagine is, is now, there are people that are open to it. And so, and then finally, we went to the MUFON show, Mutual UFO Network International Show, and set up a booth there also, fully anticipating that those who are familiar with and have made a life out of these type artifact or these type of uh, antiquities that re that can point to potential uh, ancient alien influence that they would be aware of. But even Bill Burns, the guy who started the UFO hunter show years ago, neat guys, yep. you see him a lot of times, a oh, real nice guy. And I talked to him, we actually wrote him home from the show that night, drove him home and talked to him. And he had never seen the figurines or had, had he heard of the fact that there were no Mali. So even at the highest, most professional level, they just weren't aware of them. So we start thinking, well, are these real? Or are these like these other, you've seen other carved stones appear. And when they were researched, it came back that they were potentially not real. And were not ant ant antiquities. They were created to try to profit. So we have to think, wow, are these stones a real deal? Were they actually dug up mysteriously in West Africa? Or is this some kind of a, of a shenanigans? And now, I had already by then been using the stones and, and had felt a very, very profound um, impact from the stones. And other people whom are in my circle had utilized stones. So I had a pretty good feeling, but then at the same time, you got to wonder, you know, is it just imagination? Because um, nobody else seems to know about these. So we dug in and began to research and we found, no, that's not the case. They were first found by the outside world by Portuguese sailors in the 1400s. They were first written around about in Thompson on Africa in 1850. Six, I believe it was. And, and Thompson himself collected some and had a collection of approximately 10 or so within years of writing the book. In the 1890s, we, we see, uh, well, there, uh, just to mention, there's no book written on No Mali to date ever, but they were mentioned. And then they were mentioned again in the 1890s in a couple of places. And uh, uh, interestingly, in 1917, by Walter Ed, Edwin, who was... Uh, wrote a book and he dedicated a few pages to the Nomali with interesting theories, very interesting. And then you go forward to Thor Heyerdahl, who I'm sure many of your listeners would be aware of from the, for the Khan Tiki and uh, the man who sailed that uh, ancient built raft from West South America to Polynesia, thousands of miles. But anyways, Thor Heyerdahl led the first, another thing he's not as well known for, is he led the first expedition onto Easter Island, 
And in his writings in the 1950s, he compared the Nomali from West Africa and said they were the closest to the small card figurines, which again, very few people are aware of, which have been found in secret caves in Easter Island. Not nearly as familiarized as the large stones. In fact, you, I'm sure many of your readers have never heard of them. So we do know that they existed. We know that in 1990, Angelo Petoni, another mysterious character who, if it weren't for one picture, one or two pictures, there'd be doubt if he ever did exist. Another, uh, what we used to call spook, uh, <laughs> daddy, a uh, ghost, if you will, from the, but he was in the resistance in the Second World War, also, you know, on the American team. But Angelo was a, a character, he was, in charge of excavating for diamonds in West Africa. And he came across the, the Nomali that he then later heard vibration coming from the middle of it, from inside of it. He had it x-rayed and that's the one that they, they found the ball bearing in. So I'm getting a little ahead of myself, but the point is they, they are well known. They were well known. They were collected by British royalty. They were, uh, featured in the 1920s in the uh, in the show in in England with their colonial the colonialization there uh, and but let's back up what are they by now your listeners are probably their their eyes are are glazing over with all the detail it doesn't tell them yet what are these things well they're mostly small they're carved figurines in stone. And they are referred to by numerous names by various tribes and some classifications, categories, if you will, within the subgroups of Nomali. They are named, the Nomali is, is the name of the gods that they are said to have come, been handed down to the humans from. The Nomali were said to have lived in the heavens and misbehaved and been forced to live on earth, rain down on earth as stone. They are gods of stone, men of stone. They lived with the humans in the ancient times, is the legend, the belief. And they blessed the humans with many um, blessings, and one of which were the original Nomali stones, which they were said to have handed directly to the humans for purposes of being used by the medicine men, medicine women, the shamans, the chiefs, and in some cases, individuals. The interesting thing about Nomali, unlike other stone figurines your listeners and you, Gary, would have heard of before that are usually found in temples, uh, very, you know, ancient temples that are discovered or burial sites. Nomali are found mostly randomly in the jungle, in the bush, as they would call it. And they're buried in the ground, often single pieces, sometimes more than one. And the truth is, since there's no written history in that area of the world, no one really knows how long ago they were buried, or who buried them. Is there any way to know approximately how old they are? Well, 
of course you cannot you cannot carbon date stone so although people often think you can it's not that that's not what they carbon date they carbon date the strata which is it is found in so that you identify how old those essentially the dirt and the the elements within the dirt are that the nomali are found within or that the artifact is found within and thereby you date the item itself well most all nomali are found by natives in the bush they don't dig up enough dirt to test anything and, and there's nobody there to test it these are very uh let's see they're not uh, advanced as far as uh, having access to things like that in the jungles of west africa and um so but we do know this the answer to your question is this when angelo Petoni found the stone with the ball bearing in it he found it uh, at a depth of 140 feet deep uh, plus and he did test the strata on that uh, where that stone was found and identified that that stone itself had been buried there 17,000 years ago. So a while back, um, what was the ball bearing made out of? They took the ball bearing, had it tested. Uh, there's a gentleman by the name of Klaus Donner. You and your reader, your listeners may have heard of. He specializes in items out of time. And he worked with Angelo Petoni. He took it to laboratories and universities in Europe. And a number of them tested it and they found that it was comprised of chromium. And of course, chromium was not identified until 1760, some odd in, in modern times, and was not isolated until the 1790s. So I'm not real good on math, but that's a lot less than 17,000 years ago. Yeah. <laughs> so it was like perfectly round. It was a perfect sphere. Yes, a ball bearing and a perfect sphere. And it was inside the a little chamber, if you will, inside the stone. What we thought about, which I didn't see anyone else consider, is, is very interesting beyond that, is that theoretically at some point in time that stone was carved and then placed in the ground. But there was no... Um, orifice there was no drilled out hole that had been plugged up there was no indication on how that ball bearing had gotten into the middle of the stone before it was carved or after it was carved so there could be the question could be you know how was it in the stone even before it, the stone was carved it was carved and buried 17,000 years ago but stone, as we know, is much older than that. So uh, potentially millions of years old. How did the ball bearing materialize in there without having a way through the rock? So maybe it had to be there originally. Be there originally, or as I was talking with someone the other week, you know, something beyond our understanding that you could uh, make something like that materialize within a, a chamber. And that would be some type of advanced lasers or such that are way beyond my understanding or anything we have at this time. How are these figurines made? Like when you say they were carved, like is there like chisel marks on them that, that shows, you know, that they were hand carved or? 
Well, yeah, okay. some would have chisel marks and um, and others, you know, would be, you know, would be more um, uh, worn away, I guess, the chisel marks. So how? Pretty worn out. So I, I cannot answer as to all of them. Mm-hmm. And, um, but yes, you're, there are indications that they were chiseled. And when you say like, like they were, you know, the knowledge of these, was suppressed. Um, well, who and why was it suppressed? Or who well, to suppressed? understand that you have to first we we have to take into account that this is West Africa. It's uh, very treacherous, very dangerous. Uh-huh. Many people who went there were also fanatics, and they're not the balanced, but they're fanatics in their religion also. So we have uh, a situation where the the forces that are trying to always take over there are Muslim and Christian and Muslims have the predominant control and the radical Muslims, as you know, as we've seen in other countries when they've taken over and just demolished museums, destroy uh, anything that does not coincide with their beliefs. And uh, these stones would certainly fit in there. At the same time, your radical Christians would automatically attribute uh, demons and evil to anything that is native out of Africa. And they also would suppress them and destroy them and uh, try to dissuade the natives and let them know that these are evil things they should not work with. So we have to take into account that the political system, the monetary system, the business system, predominantly is Muslim. If you want to succeed, let me put it this way, in Lancaster County, PA, where I'm from, they say that many people are rhinos, Republican in name only. But they also say if you want to succeed, you have to be a Republican in business, etc., because this area is predominantly Republican. Now, I'm a libertarian, so I bow out of all that. But anyways, <laughs> the uh, point is that if you want to succeed in business here, you should be a Republican And if you're a Christian, that's going to help you too, because it's a heavily Christian area, right? Well, over there, the same is true. If you want to succeed, you better be Muslim or you're going to be uh, discriminated against. And then you take it to the next level, politically. It is not politically acceptable over there to be considered uncivilized and uh, primitive, and these type of artifacts have been attributed with primitive beliefs. They have just tried completely, which is interesting, Gary. If you look at the, comp, the similarity to the uh, Native Americans, if you had stone figurines from them, now certainly the religious fanatics would still think they were demon, de- would demonize them. But the average human right now is pretty open up to the Native American artifacts, and, and they would be open to the fact they're positive. But automatically from West Africa, there is an association that, you know, that for somehow people think that these the poorest, most suffering people in the world sit around and think of ways to hurt other people all day, which is kind of bizarre. You know, obviously they sit around and think of ways to survive and help those they love to, to beat famine and pestilence and, and everything else that they're struggling with. So you have the political element that it's not politically correct to be associated with the old, you want to be associated with new. Of course, medicinally, they do not want the natives using their traditional 
religious and and um, medicinal practices. They want them to use vaccines. They want them to use modern day medicine. And obviously there are deep benefits to that. But some like myself, and I think you would contend that there is great power, especially for those who are descended from that area, which there are hundreds of millions of people all over the world since quite a bit of slavery came from that area. And um, so all those descendants who have been convinced that their, their ancestors were, were not as wise and their gods were not as not benevolent. And, and that's a real dis, dis, disservice. But uh, I think you recognize that that's the case. So we've got religious, we've got, well, religious, you know, is the biggest one, but uh, it crosses over into political, it crosses over into mo monetary. Even what was interesting to me is when I went and tried to reach out to American universities and reached out to the African studies departments. And um, it appears to me that, again, many of the professors are Muslim. And while many of them may wear the traditional garb and even listen to some traditional music, when you start talking about native spiritual beliefs, they shut you off. It is not what they want to be associated with. It's not considered in vogue. And it's kind of irritating to me. You would think that certainly they would be the ones most interested in reawakening to people to these lost uh, blessings that were traditionally passed down through their ancestors. But it, it's not always the case. It doesn't fit into their belief system. So it doesn't fit, yeah, and that hasn't, there was moved them forward in the world is not uh, the traditional beliefs of African. It is being part of the new, and, and, uh, and again, uh, quite often more Muslim than non-Muslim you will find in that sector. Is West Africa the only place these were found or do you have been found in other places of the world? They've only been found in Sierra Leone, Guinea, and Liberia. Um, I was looking on your website and you say there's like a, um, some connections with Easter Island and possibly Egypt. Yes, my son and I did further research and we're able to find a connection to the Dogon tribe. Uh, I'm, you're probably familiar with the Dogon tribe. There's mm -hmm. been a lot of coverage on them. And the Dogon, or Dogon tribe came from Mali, which is uh, directly connected to Sierra Leone and Guinea and uh, just uh, east. And during the Mali Empire, the, it, well, the Mali Empire encompassed Sierra Leone and Guinea and parts of Liberia. And uh, the Dogon are from Mali again. And, and their gods that they say descended from the heavens and a, with a great whirling whisk in a ship, uh, mass ship. And they descended and they called those gods the Nomos. N-O-M-O-S. And uh, the Nomos were again said to be gods from another planet who who uh, passed their knowledge onto the Dogon. And it became, uh, we came up with the possibility, is it possible that they could have been called the 
nomos of Mali by those in Sierra Leone, Guinea, and um, Liberia, the nomos of Mali, and that that would be the connection to then linguistically develop into Nomali. My friend, Professor Kwaku Foyanza, was the professor of African art at Howard University in Washington for 30 plus years and is retired now. And he tells me that still he was born in Ghana, it's the same general area, that still over there, there are many who practice very similar uh, ceremonies as the Dogon. And there is not a um, deep separation between them. There is a, more of a consinity between them. So you, we take it to the Dogon and there have been some Nomali found in the Dogon area. The Dogon are said to be genetically connected. Well, they have been tested to be, and they are genetically connected to the ancient Egyptians. Now, the belief along traditional terms is that they were then descendant, that the Egyptians went west and, and got to Mali, and then the Dogon came out of that. But I talked earlier about Walter Edwin and his unique, interesting theory, which he received from the natives back in 1917. And we can tie that into the Angelo Petoni piece that he found too, one of the uh, blue stones that he found, the sky stones. And the, the, the way we tie that in is this, the Walter Edwin said that the natives believe that long ago, Essentially, there was a civilization that was far, highly advanced, far advanced from the rest of the world. And they were uh, the first to build the pyramids and that they sent emissaries and sent agents out. And those individuals went and taught the people in Egypt how to build pyramids and taught them the great secrets. So that the contention was that first before the Egyptian civilization rose and they just built those giant pyramids that there were other pyramids that they had built them for a long period of time and that they were engulfed back into the jungle by whatever method over a period of many years, whether it was an ice age, whether it was apocalyptic or whether it was just the uh, nature overgrowing. I don't, you know, there's no definition, but uh, so the potential is that the, the Egyptians are connected to the West Africans. And um, that is one of the theories that floats around. Now, the interesting thing about uh, Angelo Petoni is related to that is he also at one time was looking for diamonds. The Nomali have often been found near diamonds. The natives contend that when the Nomali were turned to stone, their entire piece of heaven was turned to stone. That included a star. And that that star, when it came down and, and uh, entered the earth, is diamonds. It's broken into many pieces of light, which are essentially fire that hit the earth mm -hmm. and turned to diamonds. And um, so... Angelo, of course, being the, the greedy diamond guy he was, God bless him, was <laughs> uh, 
was interested in it. And he found out from the shamans, the chiefs, that the these blue sky stones, <clears throat> oh no, that excuse me. He he said to the chief, he said, Listen, I understand you say that the Nomali gods fell from the heavens and along with them their star came. Do you know where they then you should certainly know where they fell? And the chief said, Yes, we know where they fell. And he said, Well then take me there. And the chief said, Well, we can't do that, but the shaman can take you. So the shaman took him to the location. And there is where he found the blue sky stones. And uh, <clears throat> excuse me, the blue sky stones were, again, they're blue. The interesting thing about them is <clears throat> the color, as, as best I can explain it, is made from material which is not of earth and, and has not been identified to date. And um, they've been tested. They've been tested. There was a recent uh, edition of Ancient Aliens again where they, they did the Blue Sky Stones. After they did my episode, uh, I'm not sure if it was on the same episode. I think it might have been, but they did another one after that <clears throat> and followed the Blue Sky Stones. And uh, yeah, they, they are, again, made of some substance which is not of this earth and no one knows what it is. Interesting. Now, where that gets kind of bizarre and and uh, mysterious is that the blue sky stones were said to be buried underground but they were not buried in a heap they were buried in the shape of a pyramid hmm. are you still there yes okay I lost you for a second. No, I've been talking for about 40 minutes. I thought you might want to have a question. Oh. <laughs> it's your show. If you want to say something. Well, it, no, you say they were found in, in, a, in like a shape of a um, pyramid. Um, <clears throat> yes. That, that's pretty interesting in that they haven't been, they can't identify, you know, the element that they're made out of. So that it came from off earth. So I guess that's where the uh, ancient alien connection comes in. Well, the ancient alien connection starts with the fact that the natives believe that the Nomali were gods who came down to earth and lived with them. So not only gods that came down and influenced mm -hmm. earth, but that lived with the humans and the Nomali figurines were handed down by them. The figurines have different images uh, some are um, modeled after, designed in, in the image of the Nomali gods. On the other end of the spectrum are those which are modeled to look just like humans and to be used as a, often as a uh, moral compass, if you will, a, a message to the entire community and civilization. An example I would use is um, a stone with a mother feeding her child. And that, that would, one. what's that? I saw that one on your website. Beautiful, huh? Yes. Yeah, so that would be used by the medicine man. It would be used as a, uh, for a group. That's a fairly large one. It could be used in the, on a shrine in the center of the village. And, 
And, uh, you know, when I was growing up, we had, I loved on Saturday, they had the Tarzan show. It was great. They showed West African jungle. And there were always these small tribes. But later on, we saw Shaka Zulu and we realized there were tribes with tens of thousands, 100,000 uh, members in a tribe. So something like this could be said in a shrine in the center of the uh, village by the chief in the medicine men, medicine women's area. And they would bring in uh, first a group ritual and a, a spiritual adventure, if you will, those women who were pregnant. And they would do ceremonies which would be designed to protect the pregnant woman and the child because of course infant mortality was very high long ago especially even now it is over there, but very long ago. And then it would also be used to protect the child and the mother during the early infancy. So they would bring that, or the child, you know, there might be a specific time and these rituals could go on for hours or for days. And they would bless all of those women and their children with that. But also in between, it would be left on the shrine and it would be a reminder to all those in the village and all those who walked by that they are to respect mothers and children, that they are to nurture them as a community and support them and to help them in any way they can. Interesting. So they're, I don't know, like almost like a, um, a teaching tool, maybe in a way. Yes. You know, it's a depiction of like, this is what you do. Yes. Um, well, and the significance of it to the whole tribe, to remember that this is very important to all of us. Yes. Mm -hmm. To protect these women at this time and to protect the babies. Um, so I was looking on your website and apparently these figurines have some mysterious energy still in them. Yes. Um, how did you discover that? And, and like, what is this energy? Like, what can it do? Well, I can answer the first question. The second question, I can only tell you some of what my experience and those that I know, but the answer to your second question is unlimited and far beyond anything I could put into words or perhaps beyond my comprehension. I'm not qualified to encapsulate it, but uh, as far as myself, I'm a, an investigative reporter. I deal in high conflict cases. I primarily work uh, for individuals that are falsely accused. I fight against government forces, which automatically uh, descend and attack anyone who is falsely accused, whether they're innocent or not, the machine, if you will. And it is uh, highly uh, high pressure. I've faced uh, many charges for filming people who didn't want to be filmed essentially is what it is. Although that's not what always the re police reports say, <laughs> but anyways, uh, I faced uh, decades of sentences in prison that I would have had if I wouldn't have been blessed by God and my camera to, and I represent myself in court and uh, many courts, many, many times. And I have been able to uh, prevail 
because I'm innocent and also because I tend to have video at the last minute that comes in and has my Perry Mason moments with it. But anyway, so the reason I mentioned all that is it was at one of those points in time when I know I felt overwhelmed and I was, I'm also always been a meditator. I'll, I'll lay down and take a nap and call it meditation. But uh, no, I'm just kidding. I'm one to take 10 minutes and just try to de-escalate. And at one point in time, I, for whatever reason, I just decided to pick up one of the stones long ago. And uh, yeah, I meditated with it and it was over amazing. I, just amazing feeling. It just uh, really connected. And so I continued to meditate with that stone. And then over the years, I picked up other ones and different, but powerful. And then I have, uh, again, others in my family and friends in my circle who have used them, those who were in. Critical. So you like hold them in your hand while you're meditating and you can feel the energy in your body? Yeah, I mean, there are different levels of people that have different receptivity. There are some people I've been at shows we were at the MUFON show and there were three people who came up, two women were kind of leading a, a man and uh, they asked if they could hold a stone and uh, come behind the booth and hold it for a minute. And I said, yes. And you could kind of feel this whole power it was amazing. And the guy was having dramatic neurological issues. And then he came back well, right off the bat. He stood up and said, you know, they stood up and they were just, enlightened with power and um yeah he came back later a couple times and called me thereafter and uh just had an amazing healing immediately from his cognizance returned he was walking on his own he was walking on his own but they were watching him on either side and uh at first but when after that it was amazing now myself i I don't have the ability to block everything out that much at a place like that and really get much. But, um, and there are others who have come up and get within feet of them and have readings and have visions and others who just touch them. But the most effective method I've found is to be in a quiet, relaxed environment, um, no bright lights, perhaps a candle, and um, just hold the stone and lay back and hold it on your chest. At other times, if, uh, if I have a, a neck ache or something, I will lay it underneath my neck at the spot where the pain is, and um, it goes away. That's all I know. <clears throat> now, I don't have doctors. I, I do chiropractors, but I have, uh, it's been 44 years since I went to a doctor if I didn't have a broken bone or something that wouldn't stop bleeding. I mean. <laughs> <laughs> Other than that, you know, I've always uh, I've been blessed by God too to not have the serious ailments that many people don't have a choice. They have to go to doctors, yeah. but I've been blessed and, and I have found uh, other methods of, of dealing with any conditions and issues I've had. So it wouldn't be surprising that I would be more receptive maybe than other people who are more receptive to the medical industry. So I'm listening to you to this, you know, it makes, it's almost like, um, you know how I mentioned like, you know, them being used as a tool for teaching. I wonder if these figurines 
contain like multi-dimensional information in them, you know? Yes. Like, I would think that we, we would have to ask somebody who could read that, but it would not surprise me, would it? Wouldn't surprise you. Yeah. Because just, <clears throat> I don't know, it's just kind of like what pops in my head when you, when you were talking about it. It was like that idea, like, you know, there's some information that's contained in these figurines and we know it's there, like you're able to feel it, sense it, you know, it has some healing properties to it, but we haven't quite figured out how to completely access it yet. You know, it's like, we don't know what computer it plugs into basically. Well, yes, there are, there's a, one specific stone that a friend of mine has used for years. And uh, that stone is from what, and, and I've, I pick these things up from what I call stone whispers when I'm at shows or meet other people that are more receptive and sensitive than I am. And that stone is, we call it Claire because it is, it assists those who are clairvoyant to have better visions than they would have. So yes, a tool, then there's another one which is a grid stone, I've been told. It has lines demarcated across it like a grid. And I've been told that that one should be activated on the grid lines where they intersect. Uh, that's where that stone would be most effective. So it's beautiful, I mean, because there are so many and they're each one unique. Uh, my friend who I met through the stones a couple years ago, Jeff, the village mystic down in uh, Bradenton, Florida. Really neat character. He was involved with the crystal skull for years. He was on that tour. Very, very amazing healer. Right. That's what this and, kind of reminds me of is like when, you, when you're saying that, so it brought me up that um, idea of them having information in them. But it's the same theory sort of goes along with the crystal skulls. Mm -hmm. have, have you ever um, seen any of the crystal skulls yes Jeff has a couple of crystal skulls that he got which are extremely valuable and um, uh, he has them down there he um, interesting though when I met him he acquired one of the stones and he put it right on the altar next to those crystal skulls and I didn't talk to him for a while. And when I got back in touch with him, he said, Ben, he said, that stone told me it wanted to be used in my healings. He said, so I began, and you know, the crystal skulls are there in the altar, but that stone talked to him and he began to use it in his healings. If you look on the website, you'll also see a video. He is working with the gentlemen that have the, couple gentlemen who have the high tech cameras that they use for paranormal uh, videoing and he has done a healing using the nomali stones and has filmed it so all these things are breakthroughs none of them have been done before anything we do with them because you know the within each adversity lies an equal seed of opportunity the fact that they've been so suppressed the fact that nobody's tested them to find out if they if they have some form of knowledge that can be activated. I did speak at the MUFON show to a gentleman 
who was involved with the think tank along those lines, involved with NASA and others. And quite impressive that they are opening themselves up to consider if they can communicate with uh, other beings or if they can pick up messages through such things as these figurines. And is there a way to test that? And is there uh, some type of a device to, to detect the level of impact that they have on anything? I mean, from walking into a room with a healing to we also did a, the first ever that I know of group healing up at the New Hope Metaphysical Society. It was awesome, man. We just I did a speech, up, uh, spoke for a little while, and a random group of people had responded. And uh, we sat around and did a meditation. It was amazingly powerful. There's, a, I think, a minute or two of that on the website. I'm not sure what all my son has up there. but Yeah, there was a, a, a YouTube video of it. Okay, yes. Yeah, so it's all fun. It's all adventurous. It's powerful. It's mysterious. And uh, How about asked, consciousness? Do you think they possess a consciousness, like some type of awareness? That would be way above my spectrum of knowledge but if i were to guess i would say that the consciousness of humans is the driving consciousness the stones are a, a tool that the humans activate and the stones enhance the tools that the humans already have i i'm a firm believer that mankind is still the driving force we're in a free world zone even if ancient aliens came down and helped us along i'm not of the mind that they control like uh like puppeteers, if you will. But so that's my opinion of it is that the consciousness would still come from a combination of the human being along with their connection to God and to the higher powers, and that that consciousness would be enhanced, refined, and directed and activated. Uh, from what I've seen, when those type of individuals come into connection to the stones. Um. How many of those? How many of these stones do you know of um, are in existence? And I mean, do you have all the stones, or other people have them? No, or the we the just British, don't know. They were collected for hundred something years before they became so obscure and suppressed. They were collected by the British royalty. I understand from Kwaku that they have a, a extensive collection of Nomali. They've been collected. They've been in museums. There's one in the Bronx Museum. They have been sold at Sotheby's Auction in New York and other auctions around the world. And um, so, yes, that answers the question. Oh, how many? Yeah, about how you know, many nobody, do you think exists? Nobody knows how many. I mean, I have dozens, so I'm guessing there's hundreds of authentic ones. There are many, many thousands of replicas. Uh, at one point in time, they were very popular and they were demanding good money. So um, there were many, many that are not authentic that flooded the market. And you'll see those out on on the web, internet for sale for very inexpensive. As far as I know, we have the only ones available that are museum, uh, a collection that was museum exhibited and authenticated. There are individual pieces out there, but I don't know of any other collection that's being made available to be acquired. What would be the estimated value of one of these? Well, they they start 
if you look at the sales up in um, at Sotheby's, they start at six thousand and go up, and um, they can go much higher than that, of course. And they tend to increase in value. Of course, a collection such as ours is um, increases in value when it's exhibited in a museum, increases in value when it's on a ancient aliens TV show. And, uh, but the primary value is getting them into the hands of people and watching them heal people and change their, their world. They've had a profound impact on people that I've seen. And, and uh, so that's the beautiful thing. And as with Jeff the Shaman, he, he uses, um, he has a number of stones now, but he can use them to heal many, many people. And that's a fantastic opportunity for us to reawaken this this healing power and these blessings. Interesting. Um, do you use any other type of stones or crystals too? Oh, that's, yeah, I have, uh, certainly I've always had some crystals and stones around. I had some Native American stones, which I found long ago. And uh, I have a Zestulite in the other room. That's about the only other one I have, and a Zestulite is a gift from someone. Uh, over the years, I've been gifted with various stones, but most of them I've gifted off again. So it's mostly at this point in time, I have found the, there's a no molly around here for anything that ails me, as I used to say. <laughs> <laughs> um, so what do you plan on uh, doing with these in the future? Uh, do you plan on like maybe doing like a road show or something like that? Conventions? I, I don't know. I think the podcast, you know, people like you tonight, Gary, are introducing people to Nomali, most of whom have never, I, I would, I'd venture to guess that everyone listening to your podcast, unless they saw that brief, uh, the one episode of Ancient Aliens, which they did pretty good uh, coverage mm -hmm. of the, it was the best coverage ever. They, they run in 1992, they run um, uh, this Ancient Mist, no, I forget the name of the show, but anyway, Klaus Donna and Angelo Paterni were on one of those old shows of mysterious, but the uh, Ancient Aliens TV show did the best uh, representation. But, you know, it came and went. The real deal is happening out there with people like you, again, that, that get the word out. And it's, I guess to answer your question best, I would say this, that I never intended to be the foremost world's expert on Nomali stones. Um, <laughs> that I'm wasn't sitting, your goal as like a little kid? <laughs> I, I'm sitting here trying to figure, you know, as I say the words, it doesn't, you know, just trying to figure out how that happened, you know, but, but it's not hard to be the world's foremost expert when no one else is talking about them either, is it? <laughs> At this point in time, I'm the world's only person promoting the reawakening of the Nomali stones, me and my son, Quinta. He's in there putting his arm up. He's the he's the brains behind this operation and the, the star seed that uh, will take it to the next level. Does like the Smithsonian or um, like Museum of Natural History or any of those places have, have any of them ever contacted you about this? 
Well, no, they have, they've had no mollies. Uh, I think the, uh, as, at least as in Minneapolis, they, there's a museum that has them. In the Bronx Museum, they have one. The Smithsonian has done exhibits with uh, no molly, I'm sure. But I, I don't know that they've ever done a whole, um, as far as I know, the, the couple of years that we exhibited them at the African Art Museum of Maryland was perhaps the largest um, exhibit of, of Nomali. At least hear, in recent times. I, I always hear all kinds of conspiracies about um, the Smithsonian hiding stuff from people. Uh, like to say that you have like um, uh, skeletons from like giants and stuff like that that they don't want people to know about. I wonder if it could be the same thing with these Nawali stones. Like maybe they don't want people to know, you know, the healing power of them. Yes, it, it, it is not, um, it's not as popular. They have uh, a great deal of interest in the uh, African-American history, a, lar a large amount of that. But even in there, in my opinion, and you may agree or disagree, I would think that there would be a place for their ancestral beliefs and ancestral artifacts, but uh, it's not as high of level of interest. But they have um, exhibited them over the years in with other artifacts of the region. Um, but I don't know that I've ever seen anything, a big promotion, again, except for the African Art Museum of Marilyn Doris Ligon, a wonderful woman. That was the first African art museum in America that she started years ago. Yes, there's actually a video of that also on your website. Yes, yes, they were nice enough to let me come in and film, and Kwaku Afoyanza, Professor Kwaku Afoyanza, spoke on the stones extensively, and uh, that's great because I, I, I don't know of anything else you can find out there that is, that is so enlightening as far as the, what they, they are. Do you think... And this is this question is way out there. So, <laughs> but um, when it comes to like stones and crystals and stuff like that, I can't help but ask. You know, do you think there's a possible connection to Atlantis? Well, I, I don't know. You know, I'm I'm a real pragmatic kind of character. I, I my basic feeling towards everything is if I wasn't there, I don't know for sure. You know, I'm an investigative reporter too, so that's kind of comes with the fact that everybody tells you stuff that's not true. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but, Has uh, anybody ever mentioned that though to you about these? Yes, the 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 theory is also that was put out that along with the pyramids and the ancient advanced civilization in West Africa was one of the um, uh, conjoining theories is that uh, our. Antarctica, oh, excuse me, Atlantis was off of the west coast of Africa. There are many who believe that's right where it was. So that the, uh, the civilization they spoke about was in conjunction with Atlantis and uh, when it was connected to West Africa. Yeah, I don't know, just like from what I've heard, like from, I mean, obviously we know very little or even if Atlantis existed. Um, but one of the common themes I always hear 
is about their use of like crystals and stones. Yes, there were two individuals who came up uh, at the MUFON show and did what I would say a reading on the stones who stated that they, uh, they contended that the stones were from Atlantis. Um, so are you a skeptic on that or do you buy into it or you just like, I don't know, can't my job proven? is I think my job is real clear and easy. My job is to uh, reawaken the people to the stones and not limit what they might think and not put my opinions in the way, but more offer everyone the opportunity to experiment, to use the stones, to theorize, and to move forward. So I am very careful not to state things that I don't know, because mm -hmm. it would be irresponsible for me to state things which I don't know, that I'm not qualified. Uh, the things I do know generally fill up a show, so there's no reason to go into things I don't know. And that makes sense. Like, um, for instance, I'm, why, not a, why, I'm, not a, I'm not a professor, mm -hmm. uh, I'm not a scientist, I'm a simple country boy. So I'd love to just put on my hat and try to act like I know all this stuff, but I'm just a simple country boy. <laughs> right. No, that's, you know, to me anyway, when I interview people, that's a sign of authenticity, you know, uh, when people, you know, you don't know, you don't know. Yes. And, um, but one of the things I think also is when we don't know something, um, it keeps a lot of other possibilities open. And when we make something up, in some people's mind, that might close up some person, some of those other possibilities. You put it into words better than I did. So, so you're, you're just leaving that door open for other people to have their own experience with the stones and, and let it take its natural course. Yes, I don't want to challenge or argue anyone. I have no, I have no way, no, no reason I would do that. I, I really, it's just a thrill. I mean, think about how adventurous it is and mysterious and wonderful it is when you never know what the next thing's going to happen. But everywhere you take the stones that people connect, it's magical. Have you considered going to West Africa yourself and searching for more? They've been trying to get me over there for a long, long time. And, um, uh, I'm not, I don't think I'm going to go over, but I still, I still do have uh, my connections that are the connections that Bill Diamonds had years ago when he was still on planet that I've continued to uh, work with in various areas. And um, as in fact, I think on the website also, there may be some footage when I was working with the people at ancient aliens television show, they, their research department contacted me and they said, hey, we would like to get some pictures of the Nomali in the jungle. And especially video, is there any video of Nomali in the jungle? And I said, man, I, I don't think so, you know? And they said, okay, well, we'll we got a team, we'll, we'll find it. And I said, well, good luck. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, they got back to me and they said, look, we can't find anything on on anywhere and i uh, challenge anyone to find any but so what we did was i reached out to an operative i knew 
and and uh, arranged for him to go into the bush and talk to chiefs and talk to people and and uh, show the nomali in the bush and in the jungle. So he did uh, arrange for an, an expedition, a small expedition, and the first time in they had stated that there would not be cameras allowed. It's very, uh, let's see, it would be unusual for cameras to be in there if they weren't from the government was mm -hmm. one way to look at it. And, and the, well, you know, straight up, if in certain areas you are caught with nomali or your belief in the, in the ancient rites are, is discovered, you can be physically um, attacked, you can be killed by the religious zealots. So certainly there's a concern, and, it can, and of course, obviously, Gary, you're in the middle of a diamond smuggling area. So there's, you know, you can't envision that they want cameras in there all that much popping around. <laughs> you know, there's, there's very little uh, that they would want to have on video, anybody in there. And they don't trust anyone from outside who would have that kind of apparatus anyway. What are you doing here? You know? Yes. <laughs> Why are you here with that? So anyways, we negotiated and, and uh, because of his longstanding relationship and the trust that was instilled, we were able to get him in there with a cell phone camera. And we captured the first ever video of the Mali being used in the bush and um, the shaman. And I don't know if that's online, but if it is, it's absolutely amazing. You see all these little, uh, man, I don't even know what to tell you. There's just, when the shaman is doing the thing over the stones, it's just uh, all these little spectacles start flying around. Oh, yes, yes, it, it is there. I have seen that. Yeah, it's just a small little particles that are flying around. And there's another time when an orb appears next to the woman who's speaking about the Nomali. So, very again, all very interesting. So we do have that footage, and and we still have the um, the connections. Great. I have one last question before we wrap this one up. Um, I know that you found the West Africa. Well, when I look at the figurines. Um, I also, they kind of remind me a little bit of uh, like Mayan or Incan, Inca origin type of figurines too. There are some which do, um, again, that Thor Heyerdahl stated that the ones from Easter Island, but there are some which do represent or do, do have a similar form and image of those in Central and South America and in other places. In particular, there's one category I've, I've talked about. The have the ones which look like the Nomali. They'll always have protruding eyes because the Nomali mm -hmm. gods were said to have eyes so bright that you couldn't look into them. Their lips are often large. They said the, their voices were so loud and pronounced that when they'd speak in one village, you would hear them in another village. There are stones which, we, which are called the Mahanyari, which are stone a chief stone and the theory is that not unlike other cultures that the chief is connected to the gods and um, has a 
has the has been infused with the powers and the blessings and the benevolence of the gods. And if he's not, then the, the tribe will suffer. So there's that one. And in those, it's often a combination of human features with some normali, crocodile or primary chief stone that you see on the TV show that I was on the ancient aliens TV show. Mm-hmm. And uh, so that indicates that the chief is infused with the, the, the normali. But there's one other category of which very small uh, percentage of stones, very few I've found and have acquired all, the few that I have, I've acquired every one I've seen of that. And those are the ones with the elongated heads. And um, those are similar to the elongated heads you see in other stones. Very much so. Yes, and, and now they have those new human skulls with the elongated heads that, well, they say it was a completely different type of human. I've seen that. It's really cool, isn't it? Interesting. Yeah. So it's probably all connected somehow. But um, thank but you. Isn't for- that the fun? Isn't that the excitement and the adventure as we take it through any kind of scientific experiments, medicine, medicinal, religious, consciousness, uh, yes. space, all those experiments, and we find stuff out? Yes, yes. And that's why I love doing this podcast to get here to talk to so many people. It's like every person I talk to has a little piece of information. And then I'll lay awake and like trying to just put all these little things together. <laughs> <laughs> and, and so do and many then, of your listeners all around and, and the then world. I don't, then I don't get any sleep. <laughs> <laughs> uh, sleep is overrated. It is. Especially when there's all these great mysteries that need to be solved. Well, and you're doing a service. You're just like me. You found something very unique. You find different things that are very unique. You recognize their blessings that can help people out. And you know that if you don't spread the word that they may not get it. So that's what motivates you. And, and so we're really grateful that you took the time to include the Nomali in that formula and be the first contact for your group and uh, your circle of influence. And I guess the question that you asked me earlier and I answered with this would be the same to you is, did you pick the stones for tonight's show or did the stones pick Gary? <laughs> yeah, it's definitely true. Even my uh, this whole podcast was just something that I thought of one day while taking a shower. And, uh-huh. and I'm like 50 episodes into it and on the radio. And awesome, you're doing great work. Happened. <laughs> you're doing great work. Thank you. All right. Um, well, definitely, my listeners. You know, the mystery continues within the Mommy Stones, and. Um, Definitely check out the website, Ancient Alien Stones. Uh, there's the videos that we were just discussing, just pictures. Um, the, um, the shaman video is also there. Yeah, the one from the uh, museum is also there. Um, so your son has done a great job with the website, providing some really interesting content for people. He's awesome. So definitely um, some kudos to your son. <laughs> Dude. Yes. Thank you. Awesome. And thank you for being on the show. And I'm going to call out. Well, I want you to stay on for a second, though, because I have a question I want to ask you off the air. Okay. All right. Many blessings to your listeners. And uh, they got one again tonight from you. Thank you.
Thank you for listening to Everything Imaginable. Please like and review this podcast on whatever platform you are using. It helps this podcast move up in the ranks and easier for people to find. Also, tell your friends, family, co-workers, and even that weird uncle. I'm trying to be that weird uncle. If anyone wants to be a guest, you can email me at everythingimaginable2020 at gmail.com. I'm also on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, Twitter, and LinkedIn. My website is www.everythingimaginable2020.com. And Patreon is patreon.com forward slash everything imaginable. You can make a donation to support this podcast. Remember, everything that is was first imagined. Thank you for listening and see you next week. You know, yes, you can also buy my book, Enlightenment Guarantee, the only book on Zen you'll ever need. It's available on Amazon, Kindle, and paperback.